the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. You know, one of the things that I have come across in dealing with others and talking with people during all of that's going on is that uncertainty, that sense of unrest, that craving for what they have begun to believe is normal. Did you know that for the Christian, the external, the things that are temporal, the things that I can touch, the things that are around me are not The truth of my reality, the truth of my reality are the things that are spiritual, the things that I cannot see. In fact, Paul says we don't live according to what we see with our eyes, but according to what we cannot see. And Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that faith is a matter of what is unseen, not of what is seen or what could be perceived. So for us, the externals, as we see them apart from Christ, are simply a distraction. The externals are not life for us. Nothing that is external for us is life or gives life. But in fact, if we do not see Christ in it, we do not see life in it, do we? For he alone defines life. The people struggle with uncertainty because everything that they believed was certain was external. Everything they believed that was solid and normal was external. And we read about the Christians of old, the saints of old, who went through all kinds of hardship, persecution. Paul, classic example. Wanting for clothing, for for cover, for comfort, for shelter, for food, for all of the things, what we would consider the necessities of life. He found himself wanting for these things, but they were not. They were not his reality. How do we know that? Because he tells us that, number one, but because even in prison, he's worshiping. In the absence of a choir, in the absence of, a, of comfort, in the absence of everything that says your God is for you, he's worshiping. 
And that's what's been hard for a lot of people. They've interpreted the favor of God, the goodness of God, the presence of God by the externals about them. And the one thing that we can stand with the, with the saints of old in is that our God is not about externals. He's about the spiritual reality, the truth that is within us. That is why we say we stand on a rock, on a foundation that cannot be shaken. Why? Because it's not external. It's spiritual. It is immovable as God is immovable. Our circumstances do not move us. And what faith does for us is it allows us to live on that smooth, level plane that never changes and is consistently true. That we are the children of the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, the unchangeable, the immutable, the all-righteous, the all-holy, the loving God who is our God. It may be cold, and I see some of you are beginning to thaw, and it may be hot, and we may be at peace, or we may be, the war may be in the world, but we live on that plane of his sovereignty. The immovable, unchangeable grace of God is ever before us. What I'm going to talk about tonight is what it is to walk by the Spirit. Because as I begin to talk with people who are going through all the things that we've been going through as, you know, as individuals and as a nation, I've discovered that one of the things that the enemy will steal from us, you know, the enemy is very subtle in how he works. He undermines our foundation. And we may have a foundation of understanding of who we are in Christ and of the fundamentals of our Christianity, but he undermines it by stealing truth, by distracting us from truth, by not allowing the fundamentals of what is true about us to be affirmed or reaffirmed in our thinking and in our perspective. Undermining was a process by which the enemy would overcome the wall of its enemy. It would go underneath the wall and undermine the integrity of the wall so the wall would fall and then they would go into the city and conquer. And I think in many people's lives there's been an undermining going on. The enemy's been taking away from the foundation, going underneath, compromising the integrity of what they believe. So we're going to talk about what it is to walk in the Spirit, some of the fundamentals of what it is to walk according to the Spirit. And I promise we'll get back to James chapter 5 next week. If we do not practice the truth in our living, then we're destined to live a lie. For the Christian, we call this carnality. The Bible calls it living according to the flesh. And I have often referred to this as living in duality. In the book of James, and we've seen throughout the book of James, that he is continually addressing the carnality of the group that he's speaking to. And you see in the Paulian epistles over and over again, Paul is addressing the carnality of the people and the false doctrine that the carnal would embrace. This is the Spirit of God shoring up the truth in the minds and souls of the believer. Because we can never become so arrogant and so confident of our own understanding that we can believe that we don't need to practice 
and rehearse and renew our minds with truth. Paul tells us we do. James calls them double-minded in chapter 4, verse 8. And it was their determination to live according to the flesh that caused all kinds of divisions within the church body. Fights and quarrels. And that's in chapter 4. And because they were living according to the flesh, the one thing we know about the flesh is that it will divide. And carnality will divide. It will bring division. Only the Spirit of God, and you see this over and over again throughout the New Testament, where he brings up the fact that there needs to be unity in the body. Well, what unity is he talking about? He's talking about the unity of spirit. For we are one in the spirit. We are one body in the spirit. Wherever there is a fracture, wherever there is a division, something has separated from the truth of that. Only the spirit within us unites us. Paul addresses some of this infighting, some of this carnality in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he says to them, you are still worldly, controlled by ordinary impulses, the sinful capacity. For as long as there is jealousy and strife and discord among you, are you not unspiritual? And are you not walking like ordinary men and unchanged by faith? We have not had that in our little fellowship. But it is as near to us as the flesh we wear. So what is carnality or duality for the Christian? Well, it will manifest itself in, in many ways. And I will mention some of the symptoms. It's where we choose to live according to the flesh or as the world lives. Ignoring our new spiritual life that we were reborn to live. And the Bible calls us living according to the flesh. To live according to the flesh is to live apart from the reality of your new life in Christ. It is an attempt to derive strength from the old natural resources and coping mechanisms that we inherited from Adam. And in order to do that with any consistency, in order to carry on with that, We must alienate ourselves from the intimate presence of God and regard our relationship with him as being religious or sentimental. In all things concerning him, our souls will maintain enough distance as to not feel the grieving of the spirit over our unbelief, or we will seek to distract ourselves from that grief. And the enemy loses little time in that vacuum to convince us to adopt the appetites of the flesh for sin as our own and increase our soulish separation from God because of guilt and fear. Now the thing you can know about carnality, living according to the flesh, being double-minded, is that it does not require faith. It does not require biblical faith. It simply requires you to leave the current of your life in the hands of the enemy. To walk according to the appetites of the flesh in the world. In this condition, when I'm in this condition, I don't think too deeply about my relationship with God. Do you? (laughs) And if I do, I will commit myself to a new regimen of devotion through prayer and Bible study in order to assuage my guilt and my perception of God's disappointment. What is missing is faith. 
What is missing is a passion for him. What is missing is trust and confidence in him. What is missing is living a life abandoned to the pursuit of his will and pleasure. It's me going through the motions. It's just me doing those things that I believe that he will take pleasure in, but never really committing myself to them. It's for me to consider this life out here to be my reality and my relationship with him to be some kind of ethereal, ambiguous thing that I really can't fully embrace and nor do I try. But what God has called me to is an intimate personal relationship with him where I don't just tell him about my hurts, where I don't just tell him about my pain, where I don't just tell him about my desires, but I share them with him. That he knows them like he knows me. That I walk in an intimate fellowship with him. Not allowing myself to believe in any wise that he is not intimately acquainted with me. And that I am not intimately acquainted with him. I must live in that reality that he is here. That he knows me. That he desires me. That he loves me. That he cares about what I care about. That he wants to grow the truth in me. When we live that way, we're missing faith. We're missing passion for him. And we're not, we don't have a hunger for him. One of the things you see when people go through even the initial salvation experience, but when they go through revival or conversion or renewal, You see a hunger for him, a passion for him that does not die or flicker, that will do whatever it takes in order to be able to celebrate his presence, to renew the truth within them, to embrace the fullness of his love, to walk in all that he has created them to be. They want it with every inch of their being. They desire it. Passivity is not part of it. To live by the Spirit is to live by faith, empowered by our union with the Spirit of Christ. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. Who earnestly and diligently seek him. When is the greatest appetite of your soul in this moment? Is it just to get on? Is it to survive? I'll tell you what his greatest appetite is. It's you. It's you. I must learn what it is to walk in the spirit. And mature in my relationship with him. Becoming increasingly intimate with his presence and confident in his will. Galatians 5.25 says, if we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, our condition empowered, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must walk by the Spirit. The thing is that if we do not 
have the initiative, we do not have the faith, if we do not have the desire to walk in the truth of who we are, then we need to stop and question the truth of who we are. And if we are not walking according to the Spirit, we will not manifest the godly character that we were made to manifest. That is what you were made for. You weren't made for selfishness. You weren't made for self-protection. You weren't made for bitterness. You weren't made for pride. You weren't made for any of the things this world would put upon you or thrust into your vision. You weren't made for these things. You were made for the character of God. And that is such a contrast to what we see around us. Such a contrast to what we see in the people in this world that we think somehow it must be odd. Somehow it must be abnormal. But no, for you it is completely normal. As normal as the angels who came down from heaven to celebrate the birth of Christ. As normal as the sea that parted before the children of Israel. As normal as the Christ who rose from the grave. That is your normal. What is true is that my old normal, who I was in the flesh, who I was born of Adam, who I was prior to Christ's work in me, my old sinful nature apart from Christ was put to death with Christ. Why do I want to live like it's still alive? Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with Him. We know that. Do you know that? It was nailed to the cross with Him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves, the slaves of sin. For when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin among men. That's us. Set free, loosed, delivered. We have a new occupation for this body, a new occupation for the faculties that are part of our humanity that was once in slavery and dedicated to be an instrument of sin. Paul continues in Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. Let not sin, therefore, let not, what does that tell you? You have a choice. It's up to you to choose. Let not sin, therefore, rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions. Whose cravings? Whose evil passions? The body. What part of us has not yet been redeemed? The body. Do not continue. Stop it. Stop offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties, that's your soul, to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life. And your bodily members and your faculties, that's your soul, to God. You present them as implements Tools, devices of righteousness. 
Look in the mirror and say, this is a tool of righteousness. I was made for righteousness. This body was made to bear witness, to manifest, to minister, to give testimony of righteousness. Do not continue to offer your body as an implement of sin, given over to its desires, its evil passions, but commit it as an instrument of righteousness. Some of us would say that tool's pretty worn out. I would say there's no such thing as weakness in the hand of God. Let not, do not, You see, we are not hopelessly trapped. The scripture makes it clear that we can choose. And there are only two choices. Live by faith in the truth and in your freedom from the slavery of sin or give yourself over to the power of sin. You have a choice and you will do one of the two. You will either walk in the power of sin or you will walk in the power of Christ. You will live unto righteousness. Now, we have this arrogant way of thinking that when we're doing what we want to do, that it's our desire and it's our uh, appetites and it's our wants and we're just taking care of ourselves and we're operating independently. It is a lie. I don't see any third party in here, do you? There are only two ways we can go. We will either be a slave unto sin... Does a slave have many choices? How much independence does a slave actually have? Or an instrument of righteousness. Now let me tell you something about an instrument of righteousness. That is something that is wielded by the Spirit of God. It's something that's dedicated to the use of God. It is an intimate connection between the hand of God and the tool of God. Not a tool in an an impersonal way, but a tool in a personal way that says, I am going to show you and through you implement who I am in righteousness. It's a gift. It's a blessing. This is what it means to walk or live by the Spirit. To be part of the activity of God on earth. To express His Spirit. To be part of the activity of God on earth. We spend so much time worrying about being fulfilled in this life. Finding some purpose for our lives. Some significance for our lives. And we assign and reassign ourselves to various pursuits in order to establish ourselves according to the flesh. To find identity in the flesh. An identity that will be loved by ourselves as well as others. And reality is that we were never made to find identity in the flesh. Not even the lost man was made to find identity in the flesh. Every man was made as a tool, an implement either unto righteousness or unto the power of sin. It is the arrogance of man that thinks that if I just eat of the apple, I can become as God and make my own choices. No, the moment she bit of the apple or the fruit, she became a slave of the enemy. And that is what we choose. If I do not live by the Spirit, then my life will be a contradiction of the fact that I am in Christ. 
What is true of me, of my life in him, is not expressed by me. So what is the trouble? The problem is, is that I'm holding the truth objectively. And what is true objectively must be made true subjectively. It's not just that I am in Christ, but it's that Christ is in me. Though I am in Christ, I, if I live according to the flesh, that is in my humanity and under my own soulish direction. I find it is the flesh that manifests itself in my soul's disposition and attitudes, in my appetites, in my actions. If I want to know through experience all that it means to be in Christ, then I must learn to live in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And that is not an emotional momentum. That is not something we impose upon ourselves by the force of will. That is the truth of our Identity in Christ embraced by faith and lived in determined faith moment by moment by moment. Living in the Spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do in my soul what I cannot do myself. To awaken faith in my soul so that I may choose to live in conformity to truth rather than be manipulated by the flesh and the enemy to live according to the flesh. The mind, will, and emotion. It is not something that should be left to chance. Because it isn't. The enemy is constantly coming against it. Because to own your soul is to own your activity. To own the way you think. The way you see God. The way you see yourself. The way you see others. It literally hobbles you from living out the truth that you were made for. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.